for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Matt Barrows, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for the Athletic, about the roster changes the 49ers faced this week after a couple of injuries that have ended two player seasons, notably Raheem Mostert, who announced on Tuesday after a knee cartilage chip that he was going to have season-ending knee surgery. Also, cornerback Jason Verrett, a torn ACL, is going to end his season. So the 49ers have made a couple of acquisitions. Drake Kirkpatrick now joins the team, veteran defensive back, former Arizona Cardinal, and Drew Rosenhaus, the agent of running back, former Detroit Lions running back Kerryon Johnson. It was announced that he is going to join the 49ers backfield now. Elijah Mitchell, Jermichael Hasty, Trey Sermon, the return of Jeff Wilson Jr. at some point in the future, and now Kerryon Johnson. All things we can talk about with Matt Barrows, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, September 15th. Pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Matt Barrows. He, of course, covers the 49ers for the Athletic. And Matt, as we do this podcast now, you're uh, you're out on the road, right? You're, you're Are you doing the whole back east thing, staying for an entire week back east before coming back home when the 49ers do next week, man? Yes, um, doing the whole east coast thing. Slowly matriculating, as Hank Stram would say, down from Detroit to West Virginia. Right now, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, having stopped in... Toledo, Ohio earlier in the day. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of uh, central Ohio that uh, I'd never seen before. <laughs> and it's exactly what you would think, a lot of farmland. Uh, but uh, Columbus is actually a bigger city than I was expecting. It actually seems bigger. The downtown seems bigger than Detroit's was. So I'm looking forward to uh, dining and, and maybe finding uh, some, uh, some beers uh, later on this evening. Yeah, it's a good plan. That's a good plan, man. Find some beer, kick back, and then uh, and then get back to work when the 49ers do, man. And uh, this is similar to what they did a couple of years ago, right? They opened, I want to say 2019, the uh, the Super Bowl year. Is that the year they opened on the East Coast? I want to say, was it Tampa and Cincinnati, maybe the two games? Is that who they played? Yeah, and then they stopped in uh, Youngstown in the middle. And, and there's a reason why they don't do that anymore. It's because they practiced on artificial fields there. I think it was like a, a field hockey or a lacrosse field. That's where D Ford ran into some knee issues uh, early on, and th- those knee issues plagued him the rest of the season. So now they are very careful to find a uh, a stayover spot that has grass fields, which is what this uh, this Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia has. Uh, they stayed there last year, so they were very happy with the the practice facility there. I think that's where the, the Saints have done some of their training camps, so it's uh, it's used to having football teams there, and the fields apparently are very good. I'll, I'll be uh, checking them out uh, Wednesday through Friday. The thing about the, the field turf is that it's gotten them the last couple of years. I mean, last year, obviously, the two injuries early in the season uh, to 42, I, I guess the ones that come to mind are Raheem Mostert getting injured last year, as well as uh, as well as well Nick Bosa getting hurt when they were playing back east uh, in New York last season. And then here we go again, a non-contact injury for Jason Verrett and Raheem Mostert, we find out, uh, also injured. What are the ramifications of this for the roster? What do we think happens at the defensive back spot? And, uh, and who transitions up now? Because obviously the running back room, as we were talking about earlier, was much different, or the running back depth chart, I think, was much different on Sunday than, than people anticipated it would be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at one point this offseason, the 49ers were just blown over by their running back depth, but uh, I don't think that's the case anymore. Wayne Gallman's not on the team. Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson both have meniscus issues. Uh, they're out until at least uh, midseason. So it's a really young and inexperienced running back room. 
there's not a guy on the on the roster right now that has an NFL start to his name. The m- most experienced guy is Jamichael Hasty. All of something like uh, I don't know, 97 plus whatever he had Sunday, 16 snaps. So uh, uh, about 120 snaps or so for him. That's it. That gives you pause for a team that leans on its running game as much as the 49ers do. Having said that, they played, you know, the, the vast majority of Sunday's game without Raheem Mostert, and they did just fine. Elijah Mitchell reminded a lot of people of Mostert and uh, seemed to handle the role really well. So as long as the 49ers' offensive line is operating the way it did against Detroit, the 49ers will be fine. We, we should note, though, that I think Detroit had the league's worst defense last year. I don't think that uh, they'll be treated to that sort of uh, defensive team throughout the season. So it'll be interesting. Do do the 49ers sort of ride these young guns for a while until, or do they sign somebody? Do they sign a veteran? I just only briefly went over the list, but one guy that they've already brought in at one point during the Shanahan regime, Alfred Morris, is available. Uh, He could come in right away, knows the offense, knows Bobby Turner, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So uh, that may be a uh, a stopgap, and and there are other prominent names still out there as well. Boy, Alf Morris, that guy's always available. It's like Kyle Shanahan, he picks up the bat phone and uh, and calls Alf Morris if ever he needs a uh, a warm body to come fill in. But uh, as far as the running back depth chart goes, how big of a surprise was it to you and, and maybe to some of the other writers and and people who cover the team that when you got out there on Sunday, it was not Trey Sermon. He didn't even suit up, which I think was sort of a surprise. Did we get the impression here that? I mean, obviously, Elijah Mitchell passed him on the depth chart, but did that happen in the last week? Is this something maybe the 49ers were planning and, and kept under wraps? Is it, a, is it about his development this preseason? I just I feel like because preseason is so small now and we get such small sample sizes, for those of us who don't watch the team or follow the team every day, we're not seeing the same growth or development of these players. What, what was your understanding or, or takeaway of that move on Sunday? Yeah, surprise. I mean, uh, I, I felt like Sermon was pretty firmly in that number two role. Remember, going back to OTAs, Raheem Mostert got hurt then, too. And so when that happened, Sermon was the de facto starter. He was working with the first stringers back in in May and June. And then when training camp started, he was right behind Mostert. And I guess there was an injury and there was competition for that last roster spot. And it was among Hasty, it was among Mitchell, it was among Gallman. And so those guys were, were getting um, a lot of reps and you know, competing, and, and I guess Mitchell just impressed everybody at that point, to the point where he surpassed Sermon. I'm still not quite sure we have the, the full story on why that was. It could be that special teams played a role in this, both uh, Mitchell and Hasty were on a lot of special teams units, and the 49ers might have felt like, you know, these are our best three guys for this game. Mostert, Hasty, and Mitchell. With uh, Mostert down now, uh, Sermon comes up. So he's going to play. He's probably going to get a lot of snaps, and uh, they're going to have to rely on him. But it was, uh, it was curious. It was a surprise. But, I mean, I think uh, judging from the results, it was a, a good move to have a fast, like I said, Raheem Mostert-like guy in there in a game in which uh, Raheem Mostert departed after uh, four snaps. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
As far as Jason Verrett goes, really just sort of a bummer for a guy who has battled back or tried to battle back from multiple injuries. I think he had an Achilles injury. He's had a, a labrum injury at times. Uh, it, it took him forever, and, and last year was fantastic, and now he's done for the season with an ACL injury. In terms of what they do to replace him, uh, Dimondor Lenore, I think obviously people are looking at think he did a fantastic job this weekend, but in terms of bringing somebody else in, obviously Josh Norman was signed last week. Is Richard Sherman a legit possibility? It doesn't look like there's they would foresee any any league discipline or, or involvement from the NFL at this point if they did try to sign him, but he's still out there. What's your understanding on where they go at that position going forward? Yeah, I think that they're definitely thinking about Richard Sherman right now. I mean, it seems like they've got enough numbers for the moment, but really, if they had one more injury at that spot, they'd be in a world of hurt. I mean, I, I think that Ambry Thomas, the third-round pick, came along more slowly than they thought. I think Diamondor Lenora came along more quickly than they did, too. So that sort of cancels each other out. But, you know, they added Josh Norman um, as, as sort of the, uh, the veteran backstop, and it looks like they're already going to have to tap him. So we still have a 16-game season to go, uh, what we're used to as a full season. So it's, it's hard to see the 49ers getting through the rest of those games without any more issues at what's been a very problematic uh, position for them over the last uh, two or three seasons. So it seems like at some point they would have to sort of break the glass and and make that call to Richard Sherman. I'm not sure that Sherman ever kind of intended to play 16 games. Uh, maybe, maybe he kind of saw himself as a back half of the season into the playoffs uh, type of guy. But um, like I said, I mean, Emmanuel Mosley gets uh, a hamstring strain, anything else at this point, they're going to be in dire straits at that spot. <laughs> you certainly are going to have to bring somebody else in. And it'd be a funny, uh, I guess, sort of trash talker or mouthpiece unit at the back end of that defense. There, the DBs with Josh Norman and Richard Sherman back there. But you're right. As far as veteran leadership goes and needing somebody else, it's going to be tough to get through the next 16 games uh, without bringing somebody else in. It's sort of funny because of the way the game ended on Sunday and because of these injuries, the Verrett and, and the Raheem Mostert injury, we're sort of sitting here lamenting about what happened and what they can do going forward. They're 1-0. and They put up 41 points and didn't have Raheem Mostert out there and didn't have to throw the ball to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, in general, I know the team afterwards, Debo Samuel said Kyle Shanahan walked in the locker room and said, how do you guys feel about the win? And nobody really said anything. What do you think their feeling was after the game? Was it appropriate fear? Was it a, a wake-up call? It's a little early to be really high and mighty on yourself, but the offense was clicking, and then all of a sudden things changed in the fourth quarter, up 41-17 late, and then it becomes an eight-point game. What was the general feeling, you think, after this victory? I feel as if uh, they they stopped uh, playing this game midway through the fourth quarter, and you know that was um, you know uh, like I said, uh, sort of a, a misalignment of the planets. Like several things were happening. They had a big lead. They were wary of uh, some of these guys playing a lot of snaps on turf, so they were, they were taking guys like Bosa and Fred Warner off the field. And then you had the big injury to Jason Barrett, and that was just a gut punch for this team. Nobody wanted to play after that. The Lions, to their credit, sensed that, and they kept pounding away. And then they got, uh, I mean, how many times do you see an onside kick work in the NFL these days? I mean, that's the first one I, I've witnessed in a very long time. And it was a perfect onside kick. I don't think that uh, George Kittle could have really done anything. It was, uh, it was like a, a short hopper to the third baseman. Just a number of things sort of falling into place against the 49ers at that point. For most of the game, three and a half quarters, they played really well. The major 
issue coming out of that game was run defense and not just the defensive line, but I, I think, think the, the linebackers also were too aggressive. And, and so the Lions sort of used that defensive aggressiveness, something that D'Amico Ryans really was pushing for this season. They, they used that against the 49ers and I think probably uh, gave the other opponents this year a blueprint on how to attack this team. And so the 49ers are going to have to figure that out. Interior defenders, the linebackers got trapped an awful lot. They over-pursued huge holes, Chikowski Tart, Jimmy Ward had to make a lot of tackles in the secondary. So that that's obviously something that they've got to figure out. But other than that, I mean, there, there weren't a lot of blemishes in this game. Uh, it was a strong game from the offensive line. Obviously, Debo Samuel, Jimmy Garoppolo, Elijah Mitchell all had really, really good games. I thought that uh, Jimmy Ward did as well. Once you erase those last, what was it, seven and a half minutes of the game, it's a pretty, pretty strong game for this team to start out the season. Boy, seven and a half minutes, that's, a, that's kind of a number that I think sticks with Exactly. I just said that to myself, quarters. and I'm like, oh boy, that's, uh, that, that's a pretty, in the fourth quarter, that's a bad number to bring up. One more for you on the way out, just sort of like a, I don't know we call it housekeeping or just sort of a, your thought in watching the game, and you've been out of practice, obviously, in training camp and following the team the whole time, so maybe it didn't affect you quite as much. It was my first day sitting back and watching a whole bunch of games where I was trying to place or identify certain players based on number, and that's basically totally gone now, Matt. Like, looking out there, and you've got, you know, Jason Verrett was wearing number two, Jimmy Ward's wearing number one. You've got all these guys. It's not just with the 49ers. It's across the league. Running backs. Where I think James Conner from the Cardinals was wearing number six. Robert Woods had a single digit number on on Sunday Night Football. How is it? How has your processing been trying to trying to follow these guys with uh, single digit numbers like watching a college football game? Wisnowski was wearing number eighteen. I'm like, what the hell is going on out here? <laughs> well, you know what? I pride myself on um, you know taking that initial roster back in the spring and memorizing every every all ninety members of it, and so that I don't have to you know refer to the roster as I'm watching practice. It's just a, a time waster, and you end up not seeing things that are happening on the field. This year, I memorized the roster, and these guys keep changing their numbers over and over <laughs> again. So it, it kind of screwed me over. I think I, I caught up by the time the, uh, the game started. But uh, you're right, it, it is odd seeing Joukowsky Tartan number three. It is odd seeing uh, Jason Verrett in number two. And uh, I should note that uh, Diamandor Lenore, who's number 38, he wore a number zero for Oregon last year. So if he wanted to kind of go with that, you know, zero through four thing that the defensive backs have going on, um, maybe he needs to petition the league to, to get a rare zero allowance. I think I can live with the way it's going now. It's when a quarterback decides he's going to be like number 88 or something. That's when it's really going to bother me. You know what I mean? Wasn't Mac Jones wearing 55 or something like that in uh, Patriots training camp? I mean, that does look, uh, that, that will give you a blocky look if you're a quarterback wearing a, uh, a lineman's number. Yeah, give him a neck roll and tell him to get under center. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, kind of a funny look, right? Uh, anyway, Matt, thanks so much, man. Hey, enjoy the trip through, uh, through Central Ohio. Enjoy uh, next week in Philadelphia. That'll be a fun one as well out at Lincoln Financial against a, a pretty fun team. Jalen Hurts getting a win in the start week one against the Atlanta Falcons. I appreciate the time today, Matt. We'll catch up with you later. Okay, sounds good. Talk to you soon.
Great stuff from Matt Barrows. Uh, great coverage as he's uh, traveling across central Ohio. He said we'll try to catch up with him again later this season. We've got plenty more to get to as far as the 49ers are concerned. Obviously, uh, as we mentioned, lots of injuries to deal with ahead, so we should have more transaction news in the days ahead. But there is some positive stuff as well. They come out of that game with D. Ford healthy as well as Nick Bosa, two guys that are going to need to stay healthy if the 49er defense plans on making a deep run into the postseason. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to Matt. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us today. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports and, of course, the biggest in national sports as well. We can talk later this week about the San Francisco Giants. Fewer than 20 games remaining on the 2021 schedule. And then, of course, back into the 49ers and the Eagles this weekend. All things to come in the days ahead. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday.